The big day is here. What is God doing, and what should our attitude be? It's time for The Line of Fire with your host, activist, author, international speaker, and theologian, Dr. Michael Brown, your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Michael Brown is the director of the Coalition of Conscience and president of Fire School of Ministry. Get into The Line of Fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. That's 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. I firmly believe that whatever the outcome of the election is today, I firmly believe at the end of the day, or when we have the final results in, we will be able to say, God heard the prayers of his people and answered according to his will. I don't know exactly what that answer will be, but I am confident that there has been much prayer, much crying out, much seeking of the face of God, much fasting, much appealing to heaven for mercy, that the answer we get will be a divine answer. It will not simply be the outcome of our voting alone. Hey, friends, welcome to The Line of Fire. This is Michael Brown, your voice of moral sanity and spiritual clarity in the midst of a society in chaos and a church all too often in compromise. Thrilled to have this platform to share with you on Election Day 2020. Here's the number to call, 866-34-TRUTH, 866-348-7884. Now, I've just said what I've said from a divine standpoint, meaning that although you could say with every election the will of God is done because God is sovereign, I believe in many cases God simply gives us over to our desires. God simply lets us make choices and says, go ahead. But there are other times we really seek him, we really cry out to him, we really ask for his intervention. And at such times, we can feel more confident that God has acted, that God is at work. From a natural standpoint, we can still ask questions. So I have a question for you, 866-348-7884. If America, in fact, does give Donald Trump four more years, what were the biggest reasons? I know many of you called yesterday and said you're voting for him because he's kept his promises to evangelicals. Pro-life was the number one issue and things like that. But on the larger scale, because conservative Christian voters only make up a certain portion of the population, if Americans vote for Trump and reelect him, what will be the biggest reasons that Americans voted for Trump? What's your take? Conversely, if Trump loses... What would be the biggest reasons why he loses? Now, I have my thoughts, and I'll share them with you later, but love to hear from you. Okay, Drudge Report, which used to be super, super pro-Trump and then has become really anti-Trump, not just neutral, but anti-Trump. Here's a graphic from last night on Drudge Report, all right? And and again, Drudge kind of gives you a feeling. Drudge... You, you read the headlines there, and all it is is headlines, just black and white, sometimes red, and then a, a big picture in the middle. But basically, uh, Drudge is going to get your emotions going in a certain way, get you thinking a certain way. So look at these headlines. USC final, meaning final poll, most accurate poll 2016 shows Biden plus 11. Barely budged since August. The final countdown, PA, so Pennsylvania, advantage Joe. Am I Michigan falls out of Trump reach? Question mark. President points to shakeup, win or lose. 
4% chance of victory, 10% chance. Uh, Wall Street Journal, swing state poll finds no late shift, and, and on and on it goes. In other words, bad news, bad news, bad news for Donald Trump. That's Drudge Report. Now, that's the way Drudge has been reporting things for some months now. You go to some other website that's very much pro-Trump, and they'll give you all the data, the positive changes. All right, here's one website, and it, it gives us the electoral map as, as it sees things falling out. Here's, here's what's in play. Here's what seems certain. And, and look at these results. We'll put the graphic up for those who are watching. And according to this, Biden... 279 votes, Trump, 163 votes. And, and the, the map is, is laid out a certain way so that you've got votes that seem absolutely certain, you know, safe for Biden, 183, for Trump, 77. Likely for Biden, 39, for Trump, 48. And, and leaning towards Biden, 57, leaning towards Trump, 38, and then toss up, 96. But based on this, forgetting the toss up, it's got Biden getting a victory. So let me break this down for you. I gave you my prediction yesterday. I don't claim to have special divine insight. I don't have insider information. Just based on the enthusiasm for Trump, these rallies compared to the Biden Harris rallies, what seems to be a major shift people who didn't vote for Trump in 2016 who will in 2020 and a smaller number who voted for him in 2016 who won't in 2020, and, and then perhaps an uptick in black and Hispanic vote for Trump, I think Trump will win. And I think their divine purpose is still to be accomplished, but I'm not sure. I'm not claiming to have special insights. Not like if I'm right, you go, you nailed it, Dr. McCall. We're just, you know, we're speculating. We're speculating, right? You know, we all have our opinions here. Uh, if I said, I know that I know that I know that God showed me what's going to happen, and if the outcome was in detail exactly as I said, well, that's going to give more credibility. If not, then you shouldn't take me seriously. All right? But I'm not saying that. I'm just giving an opinion, a viewpoint, and my reasoning for it. But as I've emphasized over and over, and as I'll explain in more depth on the show today, I believe that whatever the outcome, at the end of the day, I'll be able to say the will of God was done. And then the big question is, how do we respond to what has happened? And for that, I have many thoughts pouring through me that I can't wait to share later tonight or tomorrow or as soon as we have the election results. Okay, let's go over to one article. It's on the Daily Wire, and it just gives a summary. Election Day, will Trump pull it off again, all the final polls, okay? And what I want to do is I want to break this down for you, okay? So while the national polls can be helpful— and trying to gauge widespread public sentiment and momentum, the election, of course, isn't decided by the popular vote. The data that matters most comes from the states. The problem is, as 2016 demonstrated, state polling is often more inaccurate due in part to less thorough information. Trump's 304 to 227 electoral defeat of Clinton in 2016, despite heading into Election Day with a predicted loss of at least six votes, was the product of multiple Election Day reversals in key battleground states. Polls showed Trump trailing in Michigan, by 3.4%, but he won by 1%. Trump trailed by 6.5% in Wisconsin, points in Wisconsin, won by 1%. Trump trailed by two in Pennsylvania, eked out another one-point win again. This year, there are only 12 true battleground states. 
Arizona, Georgia, Florida, Iowa, Michigan, Minnesota, Nevada, North Carolina, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Texas, and Wisconsin. I live in North Carolina, not like New Yorker at heart, but lived in North Carolina since 2003, and very much felt privileged to vote that I get to help decide the election as we each did in voting, but in a battleground close state, you feel it even more. So um, going on with the data, it, it says this. Uh, of these states, Trump must win Texas and likely Florida have any chance. Along with those two major states, Trump needs at least another five states to get enough electoral votes to win. Trump's most, most likely path to victory is to win the following seven states, Arizona, Georgia, Florida, Ohio, North Carolina, Pennsylvania, Texas. If he pulls that off, he wins 272 electoral votes and thus the presidency. On the morning of the election, Biden is favored in seven of the 12 battleground states, while Trump leads in five. The gaps in the seven states Trump needs to win to secure the presidency, the margins are razor thin, less than two points. Trump has seen improvement in the last two weeks in 10 of the 12 battleground states, Arizona, Georgia, Florida, Iowa, Michigan, Minnesota, Nevada, Ohio, North Carolina, Pennsylvania, where he has lost ground in two, Texas and Wisconsin, and then the rest of the breakdown. So that, that kind of lets you know where things stand in the natural. Now, if this was simply a matter of popular vote, which is not how the founders set things up for many reasons, then you would campaign accordingly. In other words, you wouldn't spend so much time in a key battleground state where the few votes could push it one way or another. You spend all your time in like New York, California, the most populated parts of the country, even though, let's say if you're Trump, they are blue states, you try to win as many voters within that as you could, just population-based. So the campaigning, the spending of money, and all of that is targeted for certain purposes. That being said, so just give me the update where things sit at the moment. Let me say some bigger things, and then I want to take some of your calls. Got a lot to share today, obviously. Okay. I am so turned off by the flood of constant ads on every side. And basically, the main way that you advertise is by attacking your opponent. So I watch a lot of stuff on YouTube, catch up with things, learn things, you know, and I I don't watch news live, so maybe there's a clip afterwards I'm watching. But whatever you're going to put on, it starts with a political ad. And let's say you didn't know anything about these people. You think every politician out there is evil, evil, evil. I I mean, it's, I I mean, I was watching some of the people I didn't know. It's like, oh, that's a bad person. And then you see the one they're running against, the negative ad against them. Oh, they're a bad person. Every day in the mailbox. If Nancy gets the mail, if I get the mail, come home, open the mailbox, and there's a stack of, of expensive mailers. In other words, not just some cheap piece of mail, but it's, you know, it's big, it's, it's color, it's on thick paper, you know, for this one, for that one. So much money spent. And if I'm running against you, if I raise a million, you got to raise a million. If I raise two, you got to raise two. If I raise 10, you got to raise 10. And where's it go? Boom. Nowhere. Nowhere. We could, it's just one of my pet peeves. When there's so much fine gospel ministry going on around the world, when there's so many people doing frontline ministry that could really use funds, we get on this frenzy. And I don't mean the church so much. I don't know, I don't know how much giving comes from the church. But every appeal, I'm getting every 
politician appealing to me. You know, I don't know I, what email list I got on, but everyone, now is the time. You got to give. It's urgent. You got to give. And then you're on the other side. You're getting those. I'm not faulting one side or the other. I'm, the whole system is just the way it runs. And it's not like, hey, I'm going to raise a million dollars to help feed the poor overseas. And I'm going to do this over the next five years. And can you raise a million to help match that? And we'll give that to the poor. No, this goes nowhere. It's, it's spent and it's done. If we could spend the amount of money and put in the amount of energy and effort into the gospel and to helping people in need that we put into the political scene, boy, America and the world would be transformed. Okay. I had to get that off my chest. We'll be right back. Go to your calls. Ton more to cover today. Stay right here. The Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Lori, to answer your question on Facebook, you know, I have explicitly said I do not have a word from God. God did not speak to me about who would win. I simply have shared my perspective based on what I can see and read and look at and sense no, I do not claim to have revelation on this. Look, over the years, there have been things God's spoken to me and I've based my life on it. And, and by his grace, his, his words are real and, and true and reliable. But no, I do not claim to have divine insight, just giving the insight that I can based on the role that I play and the things I look at, pray about, study, research. 866-34-TRUTH. If Donald Trump wins again, aside from the hand of God, from a voter's perspective, why did he win? Why did you? I'm talking about across America, not just one issue, but across America. If Trump wins, why? If Trump loses, why? 866-34-TRUTH. Okay. When Trump won in 2016, I wrote an article. I wrote an article saying that Donald Trump became president by the sovereign will of God. Now, you may say whatever happens, happens by the sovereign will of God. I meant, I meant that this was even more specific divine intervention, that this was more obvious action of the hand of God. Why? Because the odds against him were so massive from the, the Republican primary, all the candidates that we had that were so much more likely from Jeb Bush to Ted Cruz to Marco Rubio to John Casas to Chris Christie to Ben Carson to you name so many that we easily could have voted for before him. And yet he gets in. And then the day of the election, there were polls giving him one or two percent chance, the shock of his getting in. So I took that as God's hand. Now, doesn't mean everything he does is good or right. Okay, but it simply meant that I, I saw that in the sovereign way, plus all the prophecies that were predicting this, some even before he, he ran in the primaries. So you weigh everything, you consider everything. Whoever wins this time, I am convinced, again, just my own conviction, my own viewpoint, that we'll be able to say God heard the prayers of his people because there has been so much prayer. I do not remember any time in my life this amount of prayer 
in D.C., around the world, people fasting and praying around the world now for the elections in America. So I don't know that that guarantees a result that many of us would want, but I'm convinced when we're done, we'll be able to say the will of God was done. Now, it could be because God is giving us more of a respite to to use the freedoms we have. It could be that things are going to be taken away from us to wake us up. We shall see. But I got a lot more to share on that. And I'll give you my list of all the things against Trump now that would make it difficult for him to win, you would think, without divine intervention. All right, let's go to the phones, and we'll start with Marcus in Orange County, California. Welcome to the line of fire. Hi, how you doing? Very well, thank you, sir. Hi. So I, I don't know, from my perspective, from a, you know, a voting standpoint, you know, I, I go back to the Bible, and it talks, Jesus said his kingdom isn't of this world, and that uh, we who are born again don't entangle ourselves with things of the world. So from my perspective, Jesus, when he was on the cross, said, I pray not for the world. So I don't think our kingdom is even of this world. So this is the thing that the Gentiles vote about, right? No, not at all. Uh, didn't he say, render to Caesar the things that belong to Caesar? Didn't Paul say, Correct. pay taxes to whom it's due? So that's our money. Right. Don't you work? Do you work? A, do you work a job? Right. That's the work of my flesh. So the works of your flesh are the works of your flesh, and children of the flesh are not the children of God. So that makes. Sense. Well, well, wait. So, so hang on. When you work a job, you're in the flesh. Of course. Yeah, I don't. I don't come in there and say, "Hey, my spirit's working a job right now." I have to show up in the flesh. Oh no! But it's job, but right? the Bible says the flesh cannot possibly please God. Whatever I do, exactly. I do is unto the Lord. When I when exactly. I eat when I eat a meal, I do it as unto the Lord. When I'm having fun with family, I do it as unto the Lord. When I was doing secular work as a salesman, I did that as unto the Lord. When I vote, I do it as unto the Lord. Well, uh, Dr. Brown, when the Bible says the children of the flesh are not children of God, then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Neither does the temple. God doesn't go in the temple made with hands, neither does he worship with man's hands. I think the point is that we can't please God in our flesh. That is the point. Children of the flesh aren't children of God. Right, so we're not in right. the flesh, we're in the spirit. The, we die to exactly. the flesh when we come to Jesus. So we, but we live, see, you're, you're making a false dichotomy here. And based on this false dichotomy, you shouldn't even go feed the poor or help the needy because that's all in the flesh. His kingdom not no, being of this world means it doesn't operate based on worldly principles. But his kingdom is working in this world every single day. The kingdom of God is Dr. advancing and touching lives every single day. And when babies Dr. are being aborted, God cares about that. When children are being sex trafficked, God cares about that. When people are starving and, and nations with a surplus don't help, God cares about that. Dr. Brown, can I say this? Just one last thing. Yeah, sure. When, when Jesus talks about feeding the poor, he's talking about the bread of life. He's talking about eating the bread that I give, you'll never No, hunger. sir. No, sir. No, sir. Can I finish my statement, please? Can well, no, Marcus, you're butchering the Bible, sir. You're, you're making uh, a mockery not... of the gospel. Yeah, I'm, I'm just being totally candid with you, Marcus. You're making a mockery of the Bible. You are. You're making a mockery of the faith of Jesus, you're making a mockery of his words. When he says in Matthew 25, 31 to 46, that when you've done it to the least of these, you've done it to me, he's talking about literally visiting, visiting his people who are in prison for the gospel, in jail. He's talking about literally clothing the naked. He's talking about literally feeding the hungry. Uh, based on what you're saying, you shouldn't eat or drink because you're just a spirit man. 
It, it is it is complete, 100% misrepresentation of Scripture, sir. It, it's shockingly so. To, and then you're putting verses together that are completely unrelated in a very dangerous way. And, 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 and to me, it is, it is making a complete separation. My spirit, soul, and body, these are all given over to God. Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5.23, he prays that God would sanctify us holy spirit, soul, and body. Right? We present our bodies to God as a living sacrifice. Our whole life belongs to him. Whatever we do, whether we eat or drink, we do it to the glory of God. So we don't live like the world lives. We're in this world. We're not of it. But we should be the best citizens. We should be the most faithful, hard workers. We should glorify God in everything that we do. We don't separate flesh and spirit in terms of, well, that's just my flesh. I mean, you might as well tell your wife that when you're committing adultery, well, that's just my body, but my spirit was being loyal to you. I mean, please, sir. Please step back and consider what you're saying, because this is a dangerous, dangerous way of thinking. Dangerous way of thinking. I've watched it play out. I've actually had people tell me, hey, my body sins. I don't sin. My spirit can't sin. So if my body sins, that's not the issue because I can't sin. I'm a spirit man. It's a dangerous way of thinking, Marcus. Please reconsider. Thank you. All right. 866 Three, four, truth. How about a corporate wow on that one? Lord help Marcus, really. Uh, let's go over to Canada. Danny, what's your perspective? How you doing, Dr. Brown? Doing well, thank you. Awesome. So uh, I'm, I'm in Canada. I'm, uh, I'm obviously not able to vote, but it's, a, uh, it's quite an important election you guys are, are having. Uh, one of my former roommates, he's American. Uh, he's pro-Trump. Most of the Christians I know, like my mother, pro-Trump. Um, I'm, I'm not pro-Trump at all. Uh, I would never vote for the man. But um, this, I've been looking at this, Dr. Brown. Nobody seems to be able to kind of give a, a proper answer. Um, in May, May 19th, um, 2019, President Trump said he's pro-life. Then he gave the three exceptions of rape, incest, protecting the life of the mother. Um, Biden is, you know, abortion strong. Donald Trump is abortion light. So my question is, how can, and I mean, let me preface it with this. Charles Spurgeon said, if two evils, choose neither. Um, why are believers across the board, I mean, Trump is very vocal about this. He's been, you know, very transparent, thank, thank the Lord. But he's not pro-life. He's well, he pro-abortion so, so, light. So let, me, let, me, let me answer you. It's very simple. It's not okay. lesser of two evils. It's, okay. number one, those, those cases, those three cases, that you mentioned, so rape, incest, or the health of the mother make up less than 1% of all abortions in America, okay? So that's, that's right, that's, yeah. that's the first thing. So that's, that's not light. That's saying that you stand against 99% of all abortions and are working to make illegal 99% of all abortions, whereas the other party is saying we stand for abortion on demand right up to the moment of birth for any yeah. reason. So the, wow. the contrasts are absolutely massive. Kamala Harris is a 100% rating from all the pro-abortion organizations. Biden has shifted his, his view here. It is the most pro-abortion ticket in American history. It, it would put to shame the Democrats of the Bill Clinton day. That's the one thing. The no. other thing is, regardless yeah. of Trump's no. personal view on this, he is 100% working with the pro-life organizations and pro-life recommendations that say abortion should always be illegal. So whatever gotcha. his personal gotcha. view, his actual 
his actions, the people he's appointing, like most recently Amy Coney Barrett being the strongest example of a of a pro-life justice that, that we've had appointed, you know, based on her history and, and viewpoints. Mm. So that's why we can say we're voting from the cause of, of life. Rather than looking at it as the lesser of two evils, because then you never vote ever, because every human being is, is fallen outside of the Lord, I look at it as which vote will bring about the maximum possible good for the most people. Now, if I can't vote for either, that happens sometimes, all right? But in this case, it's, it's a very clear-cut choice for me. I mean, super clear-cut, no-brainer for me. I'm not insulting those who differ with me. I'm just saying for me, that's my take. Hey, Danny, thank you for a call. Very important question. And may God give grace to the people of Canada. Uh, you're in some turmoil now as well. God bless you. It's The Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. You think just a few hours from now, we'll be finding out the results of the elections. It's what, Eastern Time, now 3.33. So in three and a half hours, polls will close in states like Florida, you know, important states like that. And then shortly after that, you start hearing results. But we may know early tonight who the winner is we may know late tonight we may not know for several days but think before the universe was created all this was laid out before god and he knew every detail because he inhabits eternity welcome to the line of fire 866-34-TRUTH 866-348-7884 just taking election related calls today before i go to the phones here's my short list of all the things that Trump had to overcome if he's to win. Because remember, beginning of the year, economy was really strong, looked like he could have a very easy victory. If Bernie Sanders was gonna be the Democrat candidate, he was so far to the left, could he get enough support? Joe Biden seemed dead in the water, you know, and, and with early primary results and things like that, didn't look like there was a real strong candidate that could take him on, things have shifted dramatically. So you have so much of the mainstream media against Trump, overwhelmingly against Trump. I mean, 100 to 1 reporting negatively against him. Then you have, and, and by the way, I'm, I'm just factually listing the issues here. Whether you think he's worthy of the negative treatment or not is not my, my question. Then the social media giants the Googles and the YouTubes and the Facebooks and the Twitter and what seems to be censoring of conservative viewpoints or unfair coverage, even the fact-checking, constantly fact-checking Trump and not Biden. Those are massive obstacles. I mean, think of overcoming those two. What's influencing more people on a regular basis than the, than the mainstream media and, and the social media giants, right? Masters of the universe, as they're called. Okay. Then the political system as a whole, you know, kind of the good old boy political swamp that we're in here as lifelong politicians. Trump's challenged a lot of that, has a lot of enemies there. The pandemic, right, which he's blamed for in terms of so many deaths, 
And then the economic shutdown that, that stopped this powerful economic growth. So that's massive. That should take you out. The social unrest and, and, and so much of it said the BLM leader said we want to get rid of Trump. So that ideology driving in a certain direction. The, you know, the rhinos, the Republicans in name only that do not like a guy like Trump who doesn't play by those rules. Is there outside influence from like a China, which you would think would much prefer Biden to Trump when Trump has been such a public enemy of China? Those are, those are substantial things to overcome. In my view, though, in my view, if Trump loses, aside from the will of God, aside from God responding to the prayers of his people, I'm talking about from a natural perspective. If Trump loses, it will, because of, it, it will be because of all the people he alienated. In other words, if he was strong, courageous, fought for what was right, kept his promises to his constituency, stood up for all the good causes he stood up for, but did not act like such a jerk all the time, then he'd win easily. Now, uh, he, he may still win. I think he will, but we'll see. All right? So in my view, the only one who can defeat Donald Trump is Donald Trump. And if he loses in the natural, it's because of all the people he alienated, lying, different things like that, inciting anger, hatred. If he wins, in my view, naturally speaking, the primary reason will be because Americans love their freedom and because they see their country going in a very dangerous direction and they see Trump as the antidote to that. In other words, if I had to put it in two big categories, why would Trump win? Why would Trump lose? He would win because Americans love their freedoms and see him as fighting for their freedoms and see America going in a very dangerous direction, especially in the Democrats. If he loses, it would be because he alienated too many potential voters. Just my viewpoint, my commentary. Now I want to hear from you. 866-34-TRUTH. Uh, let's go to Russ in Salt Lake City, Utah. Thanks for calling the line of fire. Hey, Dr. Brown, how are you doing today? Doing well, thanks. Uh, you, had, you had asked about, uh, from a secular point of view, why we think that he would win. I am a uh, consultant here in uh, Salt Lake, and for the past, um, ever since Trump was elected, whenever I go into, uh, and I work with small business people, normally it's uh, less than 25 uh, employees. And I always ask them, I say, since Trump has taken office, how is your business doing? Mm -hmm. And I would say 95% of the time they go, thank God for Trump. Mm. Because of the deregulation, the the way that he cut taxes, the way that he that uh, promoted the uh, military to where they could get contracts and different things with the military, uh, every you know ninety five percent of all say the same thing that they want him back, and so uh, that is just a perspective from from somebody out there talking to business people. Yeah, that, that's a valuable perspective because that's, that's a lot of the man and woman on the ground out there living yeah. their lives, uh, not, not concerned with a lot of philosophical issues, just like, hey, my business is doing better because of the, the things Trump has done. Russ, I appreciate you yeah. sharing that. And, and obviously, um, even if the economy goes bad because of the pandemic, 
that's not a Trump policy fault. You think, hey, I'd rather have him in for the next years getting the economy rolling again. Appreciate the call. 866-34-TRUTH. Let's go to Zainab in Chicago. Welcome to the line of fire. Hi, Dr. Brown. Good afternoon. How are you? Very, very well. Thank you. Uh, is it Zainab or Zainab? Yeah, yeah, it's Zainab. It's an Arabic name. So yeah, yeah. So th- that was I, I. I looked at it and and I assumed it was Arabic. My question was, you know, how how it can be pronounced the two different ways once you get it into English. So well, well I anglicize it. I I've always called it Zainab, yeah. but I I think you're supposed to say Zainab in Arabic, and I find that Americans find it easier to say Zainab. Sounds so. good. Where Where are you from originally? I'm originally from Nigeria, from a Muslim family. So ah, okay. Very, very interesting. Great. Well, yeah, so please, I'd love to hear your perspective. Well, so <laughs> when in 2016, when Trump was running, I couldn't vote then, but now I can. Mm. At that time, I just couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe his personality. I couldn't, you know, I said, I even... I was like, I was shocked. I said, Lord, but the Bible says you resist the proud, you give grace to the humble. Mm. This man is so proud, you know, how does he win? You know, I was so pained when he won. But when he won, honestly speaking, I knew that it was the hand of God. You know, I, I just knew. And But I still didn't agree with his way of doing things and his personality and everything. And I was like, yeah, okay, God called him, but I, I want something more stable. Mm-hmm. So I had decided that, you know, I have even, because it was my first time, that I, was, I mean, that I was going to vote president, presidential. I think I voted the other, in 2018 and 2019 um, in Chicago. But basically, I just said, oh, sh- what should I register at? I said I'd register as a Democrat because, you know, I think for black people, there's a lot of, I'm sorry to say, but maybe emotionalism, you know, tied to race and things like that, and it's hard to look past it. So you're kind of, well, let me speak for myself and not other black people, but it's kind of there's a deception that you feel as though the Democrats are more more loving and more Christian Mm -hmm. in their ways and that the Republicans are racist and mean, you know. So that kind of clouds your judgment. Like, you know, I'll be, I'll say for me and the people I know around, I won't speak for every black person. Mm-hmm. So for me, I was thinking, okay, I will go with the Democrats because the Republicans are so mean and hateful. But honestly, when the um, lockdowns began and the riots and I saw the anarchy, I could just see the evil spirits. I could just see the devil working in these people. I said, if I vote these people in, you know, this is what I'm going to get, you know, never. You know, so my heart just turned and I said, I mean, I can't take it. And I and I and I see like they're always playing this, you know, this narrative. So you can stay a victim and keep thinking that you're a victim. And I I can't stand it, you know, and I said, I'm not going to be saying, you know, because they say, oh, um, white, uh, white privilege. I said, I don't I reject it. You know, you're not more privileged than me because you're white, you know. I totally reject it. I call, I say to myself, okay, I'm privileged also because I'm a child of a living God. You know, so basically, yes. So for me, that's how it happened. And and I've, I'm having a bit of trouble because, like, um, I do have lots of family members that are Muslim. I have a few of them that are a bit liberal. My sisters in England are a little liberal. And my sister in England, 
she just thinks that how can you as a good Christian vote for Trump? That's terrible. I can't believe it. He's a terrible man. I said he was. It was his past. He's no longer. She says, no, I have all this. Thing. You know, so she's putting me under. But she even called me on Sunday. I said, well, I voted already. She was like, I cannot believe it. You know, but I guess it happens. I listen to you a lot. And I think that happens all the time. People for voting for Trump. They look like, OK, there's something wrong with your values if you vote this man who has these values. But honestly, now I just see it more from a spiritual perspective. I see all he's done for Christians and how the the country is changing. I mean, he's he's really protecting Christians, and that's 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 the life I want to live. You know, I don't want to live a life where I can't say certain mm. things. You know, and yeah, I can't and, practice and my faith freely. Yeah, let me let me just I, jump in. Yeah, let me just jump in and say this because we've just got a break coming up. Thank you for being so articulate, and certainly we know intimately the situation in Nigeria and what happens when the government does not stand for persecuted minorities, say Christians in the North and the atrocities that are taking place. So these, these things are, are very, very real. And, you know, when you mention black Americans, we can all have our emotional responses, you know, black Americans, white Americans, different groups. We can all think the same way group think. And so what you did is what we all have to do. We have to step back do our best to get God's perspective, and then based on that, cast our vote. So I appreciate your process of thought and your candor in it, and may God touch the rest of your family. Hey, stay right there. I want Rachel to get your address. I want to send you a free copy of my book, Evangelicals at the Crossroads. If you don't have it, Rachel's going to come on right now and get your address. I want to send you a free signed copy of Evangelicals at the Crossroads as my gift to you. May God, again, touch your Muslim relatives. May they come to know Jesus. We'll be right back. More of your calls and some of my major closing thoughts. It's The Line of Fire with your host, activist, author, international speaker, and theologian, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Get into the line of fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Yeah, I'll, I'll say it again. As I said many times, as I said, said yesterday, for every one person I met who voted for Trump in 2016, but will not in 2020, I've met 20 that, or 10, 20, 30, whatever the numbers are. I mean, disproportionate who didn't vote for him in 2016, who will in 2020, just like Zainab. We'll see. We'll see. So let me give you a few more thoughts, and I want to go back to the phones. Okay. Why do I say that I really, truly believe that when we have the outcome of the election in for sure, that we will be able to say God heard and answered the prayers of his people? Now, hopefully most of us are not praying for a specific candidate. We're praying for God's will to be done and for God's best, long-term best for our nation to be done. I, I believe that because I have never in my lifetime seen this much prayer leading up to an election, this much corporate prayer, leaders coming together, believers coming together, believers all around the world fasting, praying, crying out. I've never seen anything like this, not even near this level. And there is so much focus so much going to God. And I've, I've heard these prophetic words, if we pray, 
God's will will be done. Now, some say if we pray, Trump will be elected, but that's, that's not even the focus to me. That if we pray, God will hear. In other words, rather than just letting it take the natural course and the votes go the way they vote, that this will be definite divine intervention. I truly believe that. Now, if Trump is in, that to me would be God giving us a respite. He's a wedge in the door before the door slams all the way. And, and many of our liberties are, are really taken from us. And America goes in a dangerous direction of, of an anti-God Marxism. Okay, we may not be all the way there yet, but things can shift very quickly. But during this time, we must pass the Trump test. And I don't believe we have so far. What is the Trump test? Voting for Donald Trump without hurting our testimony in the process. I believe we have heard our testimony. I believe we have been defenders of the president and apologists for the president and looking the other way at his faults and shortcomings and even becoming like him in certain negative ways rather than saying, here's how we vote, but we take issue with this, 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 and this. I also believe we failed the Trump test in that we must unify around Jesus even if we divide around Trump. So we'll have four more years to pass the test and, and four more years to really go after God like never before for awakening and evangelism and revival. If Biden-Harris win, and I think you have to look at it like that, and, and I say that was the will of God, to me, God would be giving us over to further judgment in many ways because of our complacency for years, our carnality for years, our compromise for years, our failure to really go after God and give ourselves to the Great Commission, our abdicating of responsibilities, and, and this would accelerate the pace which would then hopefully, finally, get us to wake up. I mean, the pandemic, the riots, that's pushed us some. But we are certainly not at that place of desperation, although we're closer to it than I've seen in memory. So those are my thoughts. Let me say this last thing, then I want to go to your calls. I, I wrote an article, posted on our website yesterday. So it's on AskDrBrown.org and some other sites called The Case Against Trump and Why He Still Gets My Vote. The Case Against Trump and why he still gets my vote. You can read it on AskDrBrown.org. For all of you who did not vote for Donald Trump, cast a protest vote, sat out the vote, voted for the Democratic ticket, I, I get it. I understand the case against Trump. I'm not going to go through the whole article. It's, it's there. You can read it. I documented it in detail in Evangelicals at the Crossroads when we passed the Trump test. I get it. I understand the issues with him. I can make the case against him. And when I weigh that against the case for him, the case for him to me is much stronger in terms of the larger interest, be it international, be it Israel in the Middle East, be it the unborn, be it religious freedoms, be it other issues here in America. For me, the case for him is much, much stronger. The existential issues that we're dealing with, the case for him is much stronger. But I get, I get it. I get the case against him. And from those of you, those of you who... Trump's never done any wrong. He's never lied. He's never exaggerated. He's never mistreated anyone. Please read the article. Please read the article. Remember, I say that as a Trump voter. Got that? All right, let's go back to the phones. We will start with Brian in Davidson, North Carolina. Welcome to the line of fire. How you doing, Dr. Brown? Very well. Thank you, sir. Um, I want to say first, uh, from what you just to piggyback off what you said, I can appreciate your 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 point of view and your um, piece that you put up on I want to say Facebook a few days ago with what your wife said. Um, 
Oh, yeah, 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 Nancy's viewpoint, yeah. She posted it on her own Facebook page where she's just got, you know, a few hundred folks she interacts with. And I said, you want to make this more public? You're going to get attacked if you do. And she said, go for it. So, yeah, it's got got a couple plus thousand comments and a lot of responses and a a lot of negative comments, too. Yes, but I I love that point of view because one thing I want to say is that if 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 Donald Trump was was to lose, the only reason I would say that he would be granted, like you said, you filed on things he has done good and things he hasn't. But the one thing I would say is maybe to wake the Christian family up, because for a little point and a few, it seems that people are turning more Republican Trump supporters first than Christians first. So it kind of like went from Christian Republicans to Republicans Christian. Yeah, I agree with you. And I don't think it's just a few. Uh, You're being charitable in saying that, sir. But I think it's more than a few. I think we've misplaced our priorities. Many, many, as I personally believe. But you articulated it really well, going from Christian Republicans to Republican Christians. Yeah. Yeah. But I did have one question, and I really got this coming from the other guy. And I always kind of wondered it, but I wondered if you could expand about it. Because I do vote. Let me say that. I do vote, and I did vote. But um, one thing that I always wondered when it was put up that, you know, render to Caesar um, with Caesar, I, I, I'm i just being honest. And like I said, just I just I just wanted for my interest. Like, and maybe somebody else is going through the same thing. So when we say things like that, sometimes mm-hmm. we kind of just roll it off the tongue. We hear somebody like yourself to look up to and admire, and then we get hit back with the pushback from it. How can we really expand upon that? Because honestly, I don't connect the two when render the seeds. I get the taxes and things of that nature. But with voting, it's kind of like a privilege yeah. to vote more than, you know, you have to vote. So yes, could you kind of... Give, give me a give me give give me like a kind of like expand upon that just yeah. a little bit so I can understand it a little bit a- more. Absolutely. So, what we have to do is make scriptural application. In other words, yeah. that was written in a time when you had a a Roman uh, dictator, you had an emperor, you you had no vote, you had n- no influence, and through much of world history, that's been the case. You've either had uh, a ro- royalty, so monarchy you know, a king, a queen, or you've had a dictator. So for most of human history, we didn't get to vote. So how do I apply that same concept of render to Caesar the things that belong to Caesar? Paul expands on it, Romans 13, let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there's no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. So he, he goes through that, the place of government, Then he says, therefore, one must be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. For because of this, you also pay taxes for the authorities or ministers of God attending to this very thing. Pay to all what is owed to them, taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed, respect to whom respect is owed, honor to whom honor is owed. So in this world, we live fully as citizens of this world. In other words, we participate in the system. We pay taxes, we give honor. We submit. So to me, if I'm in a democratic republic and I can now actually cast a vote since I'm called to be salt and light and an influence for good, now I actually get to live out some of my discipleship in voting. In other words, it's a a stewardship. 
So okay. I, I wouldn't say that it's a command for a Christian. I would say it's a sacred privilege and even responsibility, because otherwise what I'm saying is, on issues that could be very important to God, I am mm-hmm. going to give no input and leave the outcome entirely. Let's say all of God's people, right, all believers, understood we are not supposed to vote because that's mixing kingdoms or that's just what the world does or his kingdom is not of this world or we're in the world and not of it, whatever. Then within a generation, we, we'd be in concentration camps or wiped out or in, pre, you know what I'm saying? The, the, yeah. the society would go 100% in the other direction. So we would fail to be salt. We would fail to be light. Paul says, whatever you do, do for the glory of God. So to me, I take the principles of being an active participant in the society as government requires or government offers, just like we pray for kings, rulers to, to be saved, 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 4. But what about a yeah. saved person running for office or a saved person working within it? So when the children of Israel were in Babylonian captivity, God said to them in Jeremiah 29 to pray for the city and the country where they were, because as that prospered, they would prosper. So as sojourners and exiles passing through this world, this is how we live our lives. We participate actively wherever we can. We make a difference for good. So in a democracy or a democratic republic where, where our votes account for that very difference, then it's, it's, it's massive. It's, it's a privilege. It's an honor. It's a great question, Brian. And it's a delight talking to you. And I'll, I'll tell my wife, tell Nancy that you appreciated her comments. God bless. And may Jesus be exalted. Friends, Jesus is Lord. Say it day and night, especially the next 24 hours. Never forget it.